You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Snippets of Genius podcast. I'm your hostess, Caroline Kay, and today I am joined by the one and only Lauren Arms, founder and CEO of one of the largest companies in wellness, and that's called well to do They run over 40 events a year. Is it 40, Lauren? Gosh, you might have to correct me on that, but you run a whole host of events, and you also have two podcasts in the making as well, so another hostess that's well used to the podcast game. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you, Caroline. So nice to be on your show and not asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I've got lots of questions for you today, and I really want to dig into, you know, you're so ambitious and you've, you've built and developed so many companies, you run various different things, you've started out on a new business avenue this year, and I think there's just so much to dive into, but I'm going to start with, what does building a great business mean to you? Ah, oh, such a good, juicy question to start with, love it. Mm-hmm. I mean... I I guess, like you said, I am super ambitious and I love being busy and not that I want to ever glorify being busy, but like I'm the kind of person who loves spinning a whole bunch of plates, right? So the idea to somebody else of running multiple businesses or, you know, I already had two, you know, fairly successful businesses and we launched another one last year, that to somebody else might be crazy and terrifying and, you know, not sound fun at all. But for me, kind of the more balls being juggled in the air at one time, the better, because that's just how I like my life being. So building a great business for me is one that has, you know, like fun and and also variety at its core that fundamentally I get to kind of play by my own rules, that I get to play to my own strengths, that we get to work with amazing people and that we're kind of enjoying the process as well. And that's the part that I think often we forget about is that this whole thing is supposed to be fun as well as challenging. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's how I would sum it up is, you know, building a great business is one that allows you to play to your strength and allows you to to really kind of live the life that you want as well. Oh, that just brings me into a next juicy question. What is the life you want to live then, Lauren? Because spinning so many plates, like you say, you like to work and working hard isn't something that worries you. If anything, it sounds like you're like, bring it on, give me more Mm. to do. Mm. But what is it? Work-life balance or what is the life you want to lead? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're doing work that you really love, it's sort of often difficult to distinguish between when you're working and not working like for example you know this podcast is like two friends having a chat but actually technically it's in my work schedule so (laughs) that's kind of fun you know it's kind of fun that like I am building this business where it is just me leveraging hopefully my natural talents and abilities and making money doing that which and I know we'll get more into kind of some of the challenges that I've had but it has been a fundamental shift for me that you are allowed to do work that you love and make money. And so the lifestyle I want to create, you know, for your listeners, they will have probably picked up 
you know, my Australian accent. I live in the UK, but I am originally from Australia. And so it just so happens that my family and a lot of my friends live on the other side of the world. So it's important for me to have a digital business. It's important for me to be able to travel and split my life between two places and have that flexibility. And, you know, I never got that in a corporate career. I was beholden to somebody else's rules and timelines and structures and, you know, leave annual leave calendars. Oh, so, I remember those. <laughs> yeah, like how how amazing to be able to kind of hold the reins. Doesn't necessarily make it easier, but it certainly gives you much more control and certainty about your future. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. And I suppose now you know the life of an entrepreneur and the exciting highs and the lows, if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, what would you say? To to enjoy the process. So I, I'm I'm often fighting this battle because I know we see like a lot of conversation on social media about how, you know, it's not always about hard work equaling success, right? And I'm always trying to challenge that notion in my mind, like where does that fundamentally come from and should it be hard or should it actually be easy? And I kind of I kind of think the advice that I would give myself is, It is going to be challenging, but you can approach challenges with a sense of ease. So my question to myself is always, how could I make this easier for myself? And fundamentally, that's often about instead of asking like how I'm going to solve this problem, it's who can I get to help me solve this problem? So my advice to my kind of early entrepreneurial self would be, Stop trying to figure out the how all by yourself and start asking yourself who you need to learn from, surround yourself by, outsource to, get support from those questions. Like who does your village need to be to make these challenges easier to, easier to, to, to overcome? Oh, I like that. And I love the idea of this village filled with friends and supportive people and mentors. I think, yeah, sign me up, get me into the next nearest village <laughs> with all those people. Yeah. And, sure. and I think entrepreneurship can be a really lonely journey. And yet, does it have to be, you know, like, I think, just like, like you are, Caroline, like, you're a coach and mentor to, to business owners who would otherwise be kind of doing it on their own. And it's a game changer when you realize you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to figure everything out. You can. And that's the thing. You can figure it all out on your own if you want to, but it's a much slower road and it's way less fun. Definitely. And so much more stress that you put on yourself. I think you can cause yourself the biggest anxiety because you want to aim high, achieve big, prove to yourself that you can do it. And those beginning few months are the hardest. I remember my journey and you'll remember it well. I do remember. Those first three months were absolutely brutal because you're questioning everything. Is this really what I want to do? Is this really the right path for me? Is it going to work? When's it going to work? You have a million questions. And half of it is keeping the faith, following a proven path. And that can help you move mountains. But if you're just out in the wilderness, well, that's a lonely place to be and a scary place to be, I think. Yeah. And also in your own head, you know, everything you mentioned then (laughs) is just like that echo chamber of fear and doubt and 
am I even on the right track? And from one day to the next, you'll remember you can be on the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And sometimes it's just about having a sounding board or a community or a great accountant, you know what I mean, who can just tell you, like, relax, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and someone that's trodden the path and knows that, you know, you're on the right path, like you say, doing the right things, having that faith in you gives you that real safety, comfort blanket Mm. that is, you know, worth its weight in gold, I think, for sure. And I suppose I'm interested to know, and I've never asked you this question before, but when did your entrepreneurial journey start? How young were you or when did you have this sort of first idea that you wanted to branch out? So I moved to the UK eight years ago, but I had no intention of starting a business here. In fact, I came on a two-year visa. I had planned to kind of come and pursue an international business career. You know, the intention was to go and live and work abroad. I'd studied international business. So part of that ambition was to go and live and work somewhere outside of Australia. And London was a good option at the time. And as I said, I only had a two-year visa. So my view was come, you know, get some great experience, work for some great companies and then go home. And I think a couple of sort of serendipitous moments led me to entrepreneurship. I think the first thing was... I, I'd grown up in, or my first kind of corporate job was in a city in Australia called Brisbane. And, you know, an Australian city like Brisbane versus London, like it's chalk and cheese, you can really be at the top of your game quite quickly. And maybe I had this air of kind of confidence that I'd done really well at university. I'd um, been promoted very quickly in the first company I worked, worked for. And then when I moved to London, I was like, whoa, reality check. I'm just one of many, 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 many qualified, you know, talented in inverted commas, people who want to be successful. And you suddenly feel like this tiny little fish in a big ocean of opportunity and potential. And I kind of ended up in a really mediocre job. Like it wasn't what I imagined. It was not like this super successful career that I'd envisioned. I was basically back at the bottom of the pile again. And, And I didn't like it. Frankly, I didn't like that. I didn't like being not in a position where I felt like I was, at the, you know, doing doing well or achieving highly. I've never been comfortable being in that place. So I guess the second thing that happened was I met some entrepreneurs, just socially started to engage with different people. You're kind of trying to find your friendship group and maybe, you know, having a few drinks in a pub or whatever. And and I met this one particular guy who had built and sold a really successful business. And I don't think I'd ever really thought of myself as having the potential to do that kind of thing. And my eyes just suddenly opened to this whole entrepreneurial community in London. And I started to go to events outside of work. I started to ask myself questions like, if I could start a business, what would it be? What would it look like? What am I actually passionate about? You know, I've probably got another 40 years of work ahead of me. Do I, you know, do I want to keep working for somebody else? And these sort of moments of meeting people, being inspired, having my eyes opened, just suddenly started to lead me down this path of possibility. And uh, and I think that was the key for me is when you don't know what's possible, you you often just stay where you are. And because I was seeing this whole world of possibility, 
I started to give myself permission to explore it further. And so that kind of looked like evenings and lunchtimes spent brain dumping ideas into a document or scrolling the internet or listening to podcasts or reading books about starting a business. And I fundamentally, you know, kind of knew that I was interested in wellness. And then timing wise in London, I guess wellness was an industry that was really burgeoning. It was uh, a lot of the big trends from the wellness industry in, you know, markets like the US were starting to infiltrate the UK market. Things like, you know, spin studios opening in London or the sort of soul cycle model or juice bars or healthy cafes. I could see that certainly there was this kind of up and coming industry sector that had potential for me to to find my my way in. And so I knew I wanted to start a business in wellness didn't know what that looked like. And so I started a blog uh, and that <laughs> blog was called Well To Do London. And it was a really crappy WordPress website. I'd never launched a website before. I remember it was pretty cringe. I made a logo in Microsoft Paint, which was far from <laughs> perfect. And if anyone remembers Microsoft Paint, it was like not the canvas of today. Um, <laughs> And I just got started and I figured, okay, well, if I immerse myself in this space and I start talking to other people who were starting businesses in the wellness industry about how they got started and, and you know, what they see as the big opportunities and trends, then perhaps I'll stumble upon my big idea. And I just started doing that outside of work hours. I made it my mission to kind of publish three articles a week and do that consistently And I figured if I did that consistently, I'd build an audience, I'd build my knowledge base, I'd build a network. And Mm -hmm. being somebody who is naturally, you know, quite gregarious and and people driven, I figured I just needed to meet as many different people in wellness as possible. And and eventually Well To Do actually became the business, which it was never intended to be. It was supposed to be this kind of research outlet that would help me find my big idea. That's brilliant. That was your big idea. You just didn't know it. Exactly. Fabulous. And so over time, obviously, Well2Do has built and built and now you have a global audience and it's so exciting to see your growth. How many are you now in your team? What have you built up to? Yeah, so I guess Well2Do became this kind of foundational proposition that helped us to expand into new other other areas of business. So Well2Do is fundamentally an editorial platform where we produce content and news and insights about the wellness industry. But very quickly, we saw an opportunity to help wellness businesses, for example, hire talent or recruit team members. And so we launched Well To Do Careers and that has a team of um, three people right now. And then we we launched, I guess, I started to build my coaching business and that has a team of kind of three people in it as well. And then Well To Do itself has a team of two. And then we last year launched a... Well, we launched two businesses last year, actually. We launched a recruitment business with a partner and we launched a digital agency called Tama Agency, which I think we're about to hire our 15th person or something. That business has just exploded. And it's been fun because this accidental business, Well To Do, has become almost like the roots of a tree that has sprouted with many different branches. And that's why it's been so fun because it's been a lot about just kind of responding to the needs of our audience at the time. And, and I mean, we've just been through a global pandemic, right? So it was also a lot about pivoting and being responsive to 
what was going on in the world at the time. So in total, there are, you know, I guess there are about 19 permanent members of the team and then a lot of kind of outsourced freelancers and and other experts that we lean on to help us build our business. Oh, and that's fabulous. And to have all those people underneath you and now they're working with you, for you, helping you grow the company. How do you inspire and nurture your team's talent and so that they follow your vision and keep their spirits? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a whole other skill set to be a leader and just being an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're also a leader. I think that's something that I've really learned over the years that just because you've got a great vision just because you want to run your own business doesn't mean you're good at managing people and and that fundamentally those people are looking to you for vision and for purpose and for validation and encouragement and certainty and so that's been a whole other skill set that I've had to really invest time in and I'm by no means perfect at it but one thing I knew for sure was that I knew what a crap manager looked like you know I I've I'd had <laughs> oh yeah I'd had, I've had a few of them <laughs> we, and, and most of us have and so I knew what I knew what a good manager wasn't <laughs> from experience and I was like I never want to be that manager who makes someone feel small. I never want to be that manager who makes someone feel bad if they have to go to the dentist at 10 o'clock in the morning. I never want to be the manager who doesn't trust that the work is going to get done and that is, that doesn't assume the best and, and, but be prepared for, you know, other personal circumstances that might get in the way. I never wanted to be a manager who cultivated a, a, a culture of leave your problems at the door. They're not our problems. This is a workplace. So that had been all of what I'd experienced from a manager. And I was like, that sucks. Like no one wants to go to work and feel like that. And we're fundamentally also a wellness business. So yeah, we need to think about how we nurture our people and how, you know, maybe it goes against all the rules, but you can have great relationships with your employees and still have them respect you as a boss. And that means sometimes, you know, you do have to have difficult conversations, but that fundamentally you can also then have a laugh afterwards and go back to just doing great work together. And it's been a big lesson for me in trust as well, because I certainly have ways that I like things to be done. And that doesn't mean it's the right way. It just means that that's the way I like it to be done. It sometimes means that there might still be another way of doing it and saying to your team, you know, that I'm okay with you figuring out a better way or I'm okay with you doing it your way and then we reassess based on the outcomes and just letting go and that outsourcing has been really the most critical part of growing and scaling all of our businesses and so it's never... A successful business is never the sum of its founder. It's the sum of its team and team players. Mm, Lauren, I completely agree. And I think it's exciting to know that this adventure is only going to grow. And thank you so much. It's fantastic to get these words of wisdom from you and know that actually, like you say, it's not about doing it on your own. It is about building that team around you, getting the right people in your village And listeners, I hope that you will come back and join us for part two next week, where Lauren will be diving into the big mindset shifts that she had to go through to really scale her business and build one that makes a great profit. It's not to be missed. Thanks.
so much for listening to this show. It really makes me smile when I see your wonderful reviews. Keep them coming. And if you know anybody who wants to start or scale their business, put them in touch. Send them over to my website, www.carolineK.co. That's www.carolineky.co. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.